This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Woke up this morning. All right. We're going to continue talking about Dabon HaMelech. Well, before we get to Dabon HaMelech, the very important lesson in rationalization. One of the thing, one of the problems of what we do and how we behave is we rationalize everything. We just rationalize everything. And um, once you rationalize something, you don't fix it. If you know you did something wrong, right, and you're like, oh boy, I did something really bad, I want to do tshuva, I want to change, you got a chance of changing. But if you do something wrong and you rationalize it, and you make it right, why would you do tshuva? So I hurt this girl because she did that, 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 whatever, or I, you know, you rationalize it, she did this to me so I can do this to her, whatever it is, I'm just, just one example, but whatever it is, once you rationalize it, you're out of the parsha of tshuva, you're not going to do tshuva. The biggest story in Tanakh about rationalization and the person who rationalized lost everything. Everything. And you know what? I sort of agree with him. I would have done the same thing. But it's totally wrong. And he totally rationalized that it was wrong. I was involved many years ago in a terrible case of a married woman not behaving the way she should with a married man, not her husband. And everybody said that I should talk to her. And I was like, because I know her. And I was like, okay, I wasn't very comfortable with it, but I'll talk to her. Because they were begging her to stay away from this guy, not her husband. And she wasn't listening. And they thought that she would listen to me. Okay, she came to my house, and I sat down, and I'm like, you have a bunch of kids. Adultery is one of the three worst of areas. And if it comes out that it's true what they're saying, and there are some type of witnesses, you're going to have to get divorced. I mean, you're blowing up your life. You're blowing up your life. And this woman looked at me and said, I promise I'm in, I'm in a shul. She didn't say, I'm out of control. I don't know how to control it. Um, I'm bad. I need to do tshuva. She said, this is what Hashem wants me to do. Say, excuse me? This is what Hashem wants me to do. I'm like, what? I promise is what she said. If Hashem didn't want me to have an affair with this guy, he would have never made that this guy would live three houses from me on the same block. Because if Hashem didn't want me to do this, this guy wouldn't live on my block. But every day we see each other, so it must be that he is my, what's that word that you soulmate? He's your soulmate, he's taking you to hell. Yeah, he's your soulmate, you're both going to be in Gehenna together. Great. 
And because I had no one to talk to. Because she's doing it in the name of God. That's what Hashem wants. That was, in my life, that was the biggest rationalization I ever dealt with. And I couldn't help her. I couldn't help her. I ended up helping her. But just by scaring her. What? She broke up officially. I didn't follow her around, whatever it is, but I scared her because I told her that it brings down that God forbid your children can die while you're alive if you commit adultery. That was not something she... I said, and if one of your children died not because you're committing adultery, you're going to always think it's because you committed adultery, you killed your child. You'll never be able to live with yourself. I, d- I don't like to do stuff like that. It's not my thing. But I couldn't get through. She was walking around. She wants me to commit adultery. He would have put the guy on my block. That sounds nuts to you, right? We don't do it on that level, but we do rationalize a lot of stuff. People steal, and they rationalize that, yeah, but I give tzedakah. So, I steal, but from the money I steal, well, they don't believe that they steal, I give tzedakah. Why should I pay taxes? The money goes to people that are bad people, that are illegal aliens. You can rationalize everything. And that caused Shaul HaMelech to lose the Malchus forever. He lost everything. No more, no more kings after Shaul came from Shaul. One, one and out. Dawud HaMelech became the king until Mashiach comes. It's all Shev Yehuda, it's all Dawud HaMelech. So, and when you hear what I'm about to tell you, you're going to be like, Rabbi Austin, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Well, he did something very wrong. I'm going to tell you what he did wrong. And exactly like this lady, when he was told that he did something wrong, he was like, okay, listen to this. Hashem Hashem told Shaul Do I read you where he says it? I'm very upset, I'm very mocked about what Amalek did to the Jews when we left Mitzrayim. They attacked the Jewish nation when they left Mitzrayim. The Jews had just come out of Mitzrayim. The whole world was shaking what God did to Mitzrayim. And Amalek said, we're not, we're not scared, we don't care. And they went up against the Jews. And they attacked all the weak Jews that were outside of the cloud. Atah, Hashem commanded him. Lech, go. And attack and destroy Amalek. Hashem said, now it's time to take revenge, right? And destroy anything that belongs to him. And don't have any pity on them. Hashem doesn't talk like this. And kill men and women alike. From the infant to the nursing baby. From ox to lambs. Camels, donkeys. Nothing should live. Anything that belongs to Amalek. Babies, women, men, camels, donkeys, sheep, ox. Nothing should be left. Wipe out the, even the remembrance of Amalek. Huh? Because they're going to grow up to be 
big Amalekis, like Haman. And we're like, where do I come from? And why why'd you kill my parents? Don't work that way. There's nurture and there's nature. A Amalek has a nature of being atheist and anti, anti, it's Asav, anti everything that we stand for. Anyway, it's not, to, again, that's rationalization. Hashem said to kill them. You can't, ah, the baby is going to work out. No, 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 there's no rationalization. That's rationalization. That's what Hashem said to do. Okay? Vayishama Sholazom and he brought together the army. He came to Amalek. He told the Kenny, get out of here because we're about to come in there. He wiped them out. He wiped them out, except. He captured, he didn't kill him. He captured the king. His name was Agag. Shaul, as well as the people, Israel, took pity on Agag. Because, imagine the king, you killed everybody. He lost his whole country. I felt bad. Look at this guy. He has nothing. He lost everything. He can't hurt us anymore. He has no army. Right? And, Al-Metav HaTzayim HaBakar, the really good cattle that were fat he didn't kill them okay he didn't kill them why we'll see so he had a commandment what to do two things he didn't listen to he let one Amalek live and he let the sheep and the animals live now who was the Navi at the time the Navi was Shmuel so Hashem came to Shmuel in a prophecy and he said Nichamti. I what's Nichamti? I feel bad. I no. I reconsider. I reconsidering. That I made Shaul this king. He didn't didn't keep what I told him to do. I told him to kill everybody. I told him to kill all the animals. He didn't do that. And Shmuel, Shmuel Navi was very close to to Shaul. Um, and he was very upset. And it says he cried a whole night to Hashem. Why did he cry to Hashem? What did he cry to Hashem? Yud Aleph. He davened for Shaul that Hashem should forgive him. A whole night. Okay? He loved him very much and he died for him. Okay. But it didn't help. Shmuel got up the next morning to tell Shaul that Hashem came to him in a dream and he's not happy. Anyway, they met. Shaul didn't think he did anything wrong. So Shaul meets Shmuel and he says, Hashem. Blessed are you to Hashem. I kept the word of Hashem. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. 
Now Saul wasn't the liar. What I learned from this passage is what, I, what, what happened with that lady. She really believed what she said. You first say it as an excuse, but then you buy it. You really believe it. He really believed. He did. He was. He was the best. He did the best thing. What are you talking about? You didn't listen, right? So he comes to Shmuel and he says, "You should be kibbenched." How can you for Hashem? I kept Hashem's word. You can believe your own lies. I had a situation a long time ago with someone that claimed something, and it was a very important case. And we had an FBI come, the FBI, an FBI guy come and do a lie detector test. Lie detector test, when you lie, the, the, you, the, your body can't hide it, it whatever. It, it's, so they don't use it in court, but if someone passes 10 questions out of 10 questions, they're telling you the truth. So they did it in my house, the lie detector test, 10 out of 10, this girl got right, was correct, and the FBI guy, I have a report, wrote, there's no question that what she claims is true. Then way, way, years, years afterwards, she admitted that she made up the whole thing. Uh, how could that be? How'd she pass the lie detector test? There's a person, no, well, she, didn't, she didn't know how to do it. A person can believe their lie so much that it becomes their truth. So when she took the lie detector test, she really believed what she was saying was true. And that's why they don't allow lie detector tests in court. Because it's not a real proof. So Shaul really believed that he did what Hashem told him to do. Now Shmuel calls him on it. But you almost Shmuel, really? You kept Hashem's word? What's all this noise I hear? Sheep. What do sheep do? Because I think it's called ble- bleeding. B-L-E-E-T-I-N-G. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know. It's called bleeding in English. Whatever. Bleating. And I hear all these animals. What's going on? Where do these animals come from? So he... This is very fascinating. Because in the whole Torah, all the time, when it comes to catching someone on a lie, or criticizing someone, they never accuse. They ask. When you go to Adam and Chava, Hashem says, "Not why did you eat from the tree? Hashem says, where are you? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? I'm ashamed. Why are you ashamed? I'm not dressed. How do you know you're not, you're not dressed? I ate from the tree. He didn't say, Hashem should have said, I know what you did, you ate from the tree. No. He let Adam admit it. Later on, when Cain killed Havel, Hashem says, where's Havel? He knew he killed Havel. Again, he made him admit it. He didn't accuse him. Over here, Shmuel knew Hashem killed him in a, that, that he didn't keep his word. Why didn't Shmuel just yell at him and say, what'd you do? What are you, what are you telling me? Baruch Hashem. You, you just broke Hashem's word. No. It's like, ooh, I hear sheep. Ooh, sheep. Where are they? Where do they come from? It's such a lesson. In the whole Torah, it's always like this. That even if someone does something wrong, don't accuse them. Let them admit it. Because if you accuse someone, you own it. If they admit it, they own it. 
The problem with this generation is nobody owns anything. They don't admit anything. It's like my mother's fault, my father's fault, my pillow's fault, my blanket's fault, my teacher's fault, the world's fault. I'm not as tall as I want it to be. The color of my hair is not what I want. It's Hashem's fault. That's number one. Hashem gets the number one. It's his fault. Everything is his fault. Even people who are atheists and don't believe in Hashem blame Hashem. I'm like, how does that work? How do you blame Hashem if you don't believe in Hashem? I said, that's why there's only one God. Nobody else wants the job. People do well. It's like, I'm smart. I'm, I'm successful. People don't do well. Hashem, why are you doing this to me? Only the bad stuff. So, it's, you, when, you, when you criticize your children, or not criticize, when you discipline your children, let them admit it. Because if they admit it, then they own it. And if they own it, then they'll do tshuva. So here, he just says, I hear a bunch of animals. Where are they? And Shaul's not a liar. I brought them from Amalek. Why? Very big lesson here, too. There's a lot of lessons till we get to David Amalek. This is very important. He really was one of the reasons he lost his malchus. Why do I have sheep? The people, the people, the Jews, took pity. And they said, if we have such good animals, fat animals, why don't we, why should we waste it? Let's bring them as carbonos to Hashem. And the rest we killed. And here, I would have agreed with him. Why waste all these animals? Just kill them and throw them in the, in the, in the field. Bring them as kubanos. Isn't that a great idea? Girls, that's an amazing idea. Bring them as kubanos. Would you and I have agreed? You have, you have 10,000 animals. I'm just going to kill them? We go to base on Megdash and we'll bring them as kubanos to Hashem. That was his rationalization. And I'm going to answer your question, but even bigger than his rationalization, he blamed it on no, on the girl, on the on the, on the Jews, on the people. They wanted to. He didn't own it. He didn't say I made a mistake. He said, "What do you want from me?" They did it. Oh, you can't be a king if you don't own your stuff. You can't be a leader. If you're a leader and you make a mistake, don't blame everyone else. Don't blame the class. If you made a mistake, you're the teacher. You own it. Moshe Rabbeinu, the reason he became the leader of Klai Yisrael is an unbelievable medrash. It's an unbelievable measure. I always say this to teachers and to Machanchim and whoever's listening on Torah anytime. It's a very important medrash. The medrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu went to a water hole with the sheep. They, they had their water and he started traveling, started going away. And this little sheep, Shepsala, ran back to the water hole left all the other sheep. So, I don't know if you know, but shepherds have dogs. Shepherd dogs. And they also have they, sticks. So instead of beating up this poor little lamb for running away, right, he took the lamb, and it, and it pretty, was a pretty big lamb probably, and he put it on his shoulders. I don't know if you ever smelled lamb, but uh, it don't smell so great. Right? And he put it on his shoulders, and they don't wear diapers. He put it on his shoulders, and he carried the lamb... Back to the rest of the sheep. He didn't make it walk. He didn't hit with a stick. You bad lamb. 
go back with the rest of them. No. So Hashem saw that he had pity on this lamb, even though the lamb went off the derech. It really went off the derech. It wasn't with the derech, right? But instead of beating him and yelling and screaming at him, he actually carried him. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu carry him? He was a bad sheep. Moshe Rabbeinu said something amazing. And I tell this to all people who are in Chinuch. Moshe Rabbeinu said, if that lamb went back to the water hole, must be I didn't give it enough time to drink water. Because if I would have given it enough time to drink water, it wouldn't have to go back. So it's not the lamb's fault. It's my bad. If it's my bad, i got to carry him. So I said this in a whole chinuch thing. I said, if the kid in your class is sketching and he's going off and he's not doing well, maybe you didn't give him enough time. Maybe you didn't give him enough tension. You own it. Don't put it on the kid. This was a, a very important lesson. Hashem said, a leader like this who takes responsibility... He takes responsibility that the, sh- the lamb didn't have enough time to drink. That's why I want to leave my cholesterol. And you know what? Moshe Rabbeinu always took responsibility. Shaul did not take responsibility. The people wanted to bring carbonos. You're the king. You're the leader. Don't blame it on them. She said, you cannot be a leader. What did you want to ask? Oh, um, aren't, they, aren't they technically killing it already by bringing it for a No. No, I just wanted them killed. Don't bring it to a club. Don't bring it up to me, Kedusha. This, this is Amalek stuff. I don't want anything from Amalek. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. Also, rationalization. So, in the, in the Torah, it says that if someone's a zaino, a woman's a prostitute, and she makes money, and she now becomes about tshuva, religious, and she doesn't do that anymore, and she does tshuva, and everything, she has this money that she made when she was not doing the right thing. Now she wants to buy a lamb to bring to Hashem as a carbon. It's called an Esnan Zaina. Esnan Zaina, you're not allowed to bring on the Mizbech, you're not allowed to bring it to Beis Amigdash. What do you mean? She did Shuva, right? She did Shuva, and now she wants, she wants to be close to Hashem, but that money was made illegally. It was made, but when, when you did Averis, don't bring me your money that you did Averis. Don't, don't steal money and give tzedakah. So we hear, if you really think it out, I hear what he did. Why waste all these animals? Bring them as a carbon, right? But that's not what Hashem said. Hashem said, kill them. I don't want your carbon. I don't want it. So that's what he said back to Shul, to Shmuel. He said, the people, the people, Wanted to bring Kabbalah to Hashem. So Shmuel said to Shaul, Wow. Heref, stop, stop, stop rationalizing. Heref, enough, desist, enough. Don't give me your answers. Now you know how much Shmuel loves Shaul. He's down in the whole knife thing, right? He said, Enough. Don't give me your answer. Don't give me rationalization. I'm going to tell you what Hashem told me about you last night. Shaul still thought he was the best guy in the world. He did nothing wrong. He said, okay, what did Hashem say about me? 
And Shmuel said, I don't know what you think about yourself. Maybe, maybe you are small in your own eyes. Now this is, this is fantastic. I don't know if you ever learned this before. This is psychology. This is so big. Where, where, where does this come from? Why is he saying that? Shmuel is telling Shaul that I think you did the wrong thing because you don't have self-esteem. Because you don't think you're anybody. Because you allow the people to control your decision means you're not the man. So he's saying to him, If you think you're a nobody in your own eyes, You're the head of Klai Yisrael. Hashem made you king. You can't look at yourself as a nobody. You have a huge position. So he went, Shmuel loved him and Shmuel was like, I know you're not a bad guy. Probably you don't think much of yourself. So the people tell you what to do, you listen. But you can't be a leader and a king if you're listening to the people. This is fascinating. And Hashem sent you on a mission. Go destroy Amalek for what they did. Wipe them out. Why didn't you listen to Hashem? You kept the booty, you kept animals. And I and, and got alive. You did something really bad. I, 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 I thought I listened to Hashem. I brought Agog as a prisoner and I wiped them out. Again, he, he, he deflected. He said, I, I didn't do this. The people, the people, they took from the animals. I didn't do this. And they did it with Baruch Hashem. And they, and they did it, he, again he repeated, he, he was rationalizing, he really believed what he was saying. He could have passed the FBI lie detector test. He said, the people did this to bring carbonos to God. They did it for the right reason. And here's where Shmuel blew up his rationalization. Shmuel, Shmuel said, Do you think God wants these carbonos? When you don't listen to what he told you, he doesn't want these korbanos. Don't rationalize. Okay? So Shul is continually thinking that they did the right thing. And therefore, he says, Kichatas kesem meri, the sin that you did is like sorcery, and avoid zara, vayim ascha mimelech. And Hashem, this must have been, has rejected you. You are no longer the king. Okay. So he got through to him, girls. Listen to the next passage. I'm not rationalizing anymore. I sinned. Because the bottom line is, God told me something to do. I didn't do it. I have all the reasons, all the, oh, I have a great story to tell you, all the excuses that you could imagine. 
Because I was scared. Here he admits that he had low self-esteem. I was scared of the people. And I listened to their, what they told me to do. Please, please forgive me. Come back with me and let's go back to Hashem. Shmuel said, too late, darling. Sorry. You're done. I'm not going back with you. Because you, you went against the word of Hashem. And Hashem no longer, He has rejected you. You rejected the words of Hashem, and therefore Hashem has rejected you. You are no longer going to be the king of Klai Yisrael. But Yisrael Shmuel Orechas and Shmuel turned around to walk away from Shaul. But Yechazek Miknaf Mi'ilo and Shaul grabbed Shmuel's lapel to stop him from going away, and he ripped it. But Yikara and he ripped it. But Yomer Elof Shmuel and Shmuel said, Kara Hashem as Malchis Ramelecha. Hashem also ripped the kingdom from you. Vinasana Leriacha, and it will be given to. Another Jew, which was David Melech. Yeah, pretty sad. Through that rationalization. And you should know that it's not going to change. That the one, the, the one who protects Israel, which is Hashem, does not lie and does not relent. And he's not like a human being. You're not, you're not, you're not going to change his mind. He said it again, please, I sinned, please be with me. And the end, Shmuel felt bad with him, so he did go back, because he didn't want Shaul to be embarrassed um, in, front of, in front of all the other Jews. Okay. This is going to lead to David HaMelech, and the difference between David HaMelech and Shaul, because David HaMelech did not have low self-esteem, as he went up against Goliath, which we'll learn about next week. But I want to end with a story. I'll tell you two stories, very short. So I was a, I was a big hockey player. Hockey was my life. Um, and I used to come home once in Shabbos from the hockey games, stitches or whatever, hockey's a rough game. And I was very competitive. My nature is to be very competitive. In sports, I, was, I played to win. It wasn't whether you, there's a saying, whether you win or lose, that, doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's the game that counts. No, I was like, it does matter if you win. If you lose, never. So, I was very aggressive. Anyway, I came home, and it was a playoff game. This was like the most important game to win the championship. I came home. I remember my father was laying in bed. It was like one twelve thirty at night, and he wanted. He was waiting up to see if 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 we won. And I walked into the room, and he says, Zechariah, how was the game? He didn't ask me if I won. How was the game? Now, in ice skating or in ice hockey, there's something called slow ice. Slow ice is when, the, when in the rink it's very warm, the top of the ice melts a little bit, there's a little water on it, you skate, it the skates don't go well. It's called slow ice, wet ice, slow ice. I said, I said, Ta... The ice tonight was impossible. It was it was so warm in that room, and it was impossible. He goes, "Oh, you lost." 
said, Ty, I didn't tell you I lost. Why do you think I lost? He says, because winners never make excuses. Nobody ever walked in and said, you want to know the excuse why we won? No. When you get a hundred on a test, you don't make excuses. When you get it, when you fail, you make, oh, I was ah, the man, the teacher, the test, ah, I was sleeping, ah, whatever. I crammed, but... Now, if someone walks in, I say, hi, you know, what's going on? You took a big test, and, and the girl's like, the test was impossible, it wasn't fair. I'm like, oh, you, you failed. Because <laughs> you got a hundred, you're not making excuses. So the man walked in, and I made excuses. My father knew. My father was a soldier in the United States. My father knew that that he failed. So excuses are great, girls, but they don't help you get anywhere. Never, they don't help you get anywhere. Excuse means I'm excusing my failure. I'm excusing that I'm a loser, but it doesn't make you pass. The best story, and you're probably not going to get it right away. The best story I ever heard about excuses with a story like this. A guy comes up to Shemayim after 120 years, you know, you have the court case, everyone gets judged. Comes to Shemayim after 120 years, and you know, the Bezdin, the three rabbis are sitting there, and they're like, Chaim, we don't see anywhere here that you learned any Torah, you never davened, I mean, we got a problem here. You might end up in the barbecue in the heaven, you know. You may end up in a bad place. He's like, oh, ha, ha, one second before you judge me, I have an excuse. Oh, what's your excuse? My parents never said yeshiva. I never learned how to read Hebrew. So I never, I never learned how to read Hebrew. I never prayed. I never learned. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Hmm, that's a pretty good excuse. What do we do with this guy? We can't send him to heaven. He doesn't know how to read Hebrew. He doesn't know how to learn. What's he going to do in heaven? We can't send him to Gehenna, to hell. He doesn't deserve it. His parents' fault. What do we do with him? So three rabbis are like, Chaim, we're going to do something for you. We never did for anyone else. Because you have such a good excuse, we're going to give you a passport. This passport lets you into heaven, and this passport lets you into hell. Wherever you want to go, you can go. He's all proud of himself. He got away with murder. His, fault, his parents' fault. So he comes to Gan Eden, and the big Malach standing in front of Gan Eden, and the Malach says, "Listen, we don't let we don't let an Neshama into Gan Eden unless you come with two angels. That you're supposed to be here. You can't just walk into." It. He said, "No, what are you talking about? One second, look, passport. Wow, three rabbis sign." I could go anywhere I want. The angel looks at it. Yeah, you have to let Chaim in, you know, to heaven or to hell, wherever he wants to go. You have to let him in. Okay? So, opens up the door and he walks into Gan Eden. The problem is that because Chaim who was he was and he never learned, he never went to shul, he ain't got no friends in heaven. There's a bunch of rabbis and like people and like, and they're giving shiurim and it's boring. So he sits there for a while, he's got Nate then, he's like, ah, I don't like this place. Okay, I'm leaving. Angel says, where are you going? He says, passport, come and go whenever I want. Oh, you're the guy with the passport. Okay. So he comes, this is one of the best stories i ever heard in my life. So he comes, 
to Gehenim. And the angel's standing there, and he says, what's your name? My name's Chaim. You can't come into Gehenim. You have to come with two angels that say you belong here. Oh, every angel, I got to throw this again. Takes out his passport, right? He says, I got a passport. I can go to heaven. I can go to hell. I can go wherever I want. Angel looks at it. Yeah, Chaim. Three rabbis. I know who they are. Okay. You know, it's Shabbos today. Oh, really? Okay. So he comes into Gehenim. All his chevra there. <laughs> all his friends. They're all there. Chaim, what's happening? What's going on? Are you here with us? He goes, no, I'm just coming to visit. Visit? Yeah, I got a passport. Passport? How'd you get that? Excuse me, father. Look, I, you know I used to be able to on earth. I, I could talk my way out of anything. I had the best excuses. They're like, wow, we're so jealous. But you don't know, you need to know something. It's Shabbos. So the fire, the fire is not on. But Shabbos is going to be over in like 10 minutes. And when Shabbos is over, oh, you don't want to be here. This is a bad place. This is a painful place. You don't want to be here. He goes, okay, I'll chill with you guys for 10 minutes. And then I'll get out of here and I'll come back next Shabbos. Okay. They're all excited. They're all looking at a passport. Amazing. Nobody had a passport in Shemayim. Chaim with a picture. Picture of Chaim. He can go here, he can go there. He's like so proud of himself. Like, you guys, you didn't come up with any ideas? Okay. Shabbos is over. And it's getting hot. And he's like, guys, see you later. And they're like, like, just tell us, what was your excuse? Like, how'd you get away with this? He goes, I can't read. I told him I can't read, and I can't read. My parents never taught me how to read. So, that's how I got it. Wow. So lucky. Now, angels change. The, the angel that was there for Shabbos is not there on Monday Shabbos. So, he comes to the door. The angel is standing there. Big, bad, mean-looking angel. And Chaim says, hey, um, it's getting really hot here. I want out. I want to get out. They're like, you can't leave Gehenim until your time is up. Oh my gosh, all these angels. Why don't they talk to each other? Angel, here, look. See my picture? I have a passport. Um, I want to get out now. Angel takes the passport. I love this story. It's so unbelievable. Takes the passport. Into the fire. Passport's gone. Are you crazy? What did you do? What, what, why'd you throw it in the fire? I, I gotta get out of here. He goes, I don't know how to read. What did it say? Yeah. The excuse you, you, you used is gonna be used against you. Excuses don't get you out of anywhere. What a crazy story. When I heard this story, I, I, was, I was flipping. I can't read. That's what you said. Hashem is me the Kinegan Mida. His mouth was angels standing by the door. Couldn't read either. He saw this guy's picture. He said, okay, they sent you to Gehenna here for in the fire. I think I'm still there. I don't think he got out yet. I think he's still there. Excuses get you nowhere. Excuses just mean you failed. They don't help you grow. They don't help you go forward. It's not a failure to fall. It's not a failure to fall. It's a failure not to get up. Falling is not a failure. Falling is actually growth. 75% of success in life is based on your failure. Do you know that? 
because you tried something and it didn't work. So now I learned that this doesn't work. So now I try something else and that doesn't work. So in business, till you get the product perfect, you're going to fail a few times. But each time you fail, like right now, Johnson & Johnson, so they have this vaccine and there's blood clots coming from it, so they stopped. So they said, what are you going to do now? So they said, well, now that we know this, we're going to try maybe put something else in the vaccine or maybe give the people a certain other thing before they take the vaccine. So the failure, you know, a lady died and another one is very sick and 10 people got it or 7 people got it. Yes, there was a failure, but from the failure, who knows how many people are going to be saved because now they're like, okay, stop. we got to go back into the laboratory and we got to go figure this out. In life, you do certain things and you... You fail and you said, you know what, I could do this and then you can't do this and you fail and you learn from it and that's how you become who you are. You think Ray Walton was always successful? No way. No way. I learned, even seminary, I learned from things that didn't work what does work. So it's not a failure to fall and it's not a failure to make mistakes. Yes, it's a failure to fall into the same hole. Twice. If you know the hole is there. That's failure. What, what is the famous saying? If you try something twice and you expect it to be the outcome to be different, you're a fool. Why would the outcome be different? If you do something exactly the same way twice and you failed the first time, then why would you think the outcome is going to be different? It won't. So there's a lot to learn from tripping, on falling on the floor, not tripping on whatever. I have to be careful what I say on on on, on video. Oh, right, well, you say we should trip. Oh, okay. Right. And it's legal? Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, I don't mean that. Um, but there's a lot to learn from falling. And, and, and all our great leaders went through very, double went through hard, we'll see, through very hard time. And Moshe Rabbeinu went through a hard time. And Yosef Atzadik went through a hard time. And, and he learned from the things that he did. So there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and you see how important self-esteem is. It's an amazing thing. If, you, if someone asked you in the Torah, where do you see someone with low self-esteem? Nobody would say Shaul. Nobody knows it was Shaul. Shmuel said, you didn't, you didn't know who you were. You didn't realize you're a king. You didn't realize that you're special. You didn't realize that you're the leader. So yeah, you, you bent into the, you bent into Klai Yisrael. And girls, what happened from this mistake is that he was a huge sorcerer. The king of Amalek was very big into black magic. And when they saved him, he turned himself into a lamb. And his wife, the, the queen, had already turned himself into a lamb before. They thought they killed her, but they didn't kill her. They thought she wasn't existing anymore, but she was one of the animals that was saved. And when he was that night, these two animals got together and got pregnant. And Amalek was not destroyed. And who came from that? Haman. There would have been no Haman had Shaul listened to what he was told to do. So his rationalization created a monster. And guess what? Rationalization creates monsters. Monsters. And people think that they create a Kiddush Hashem and they're doing something very wrong. It's not a Kiddush Hashem. There's a very famous saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Oh, I gave bad information on that girl because how could I let him marry her because he doesn't know all the stuff she used to do. Baloney! Baloney, you're jealous! Would you want someone to talk about you like that? No! So there are ways, yes, there are ways of... I, I get this all the time, like, you know, people ask me about girls that have a, have a past 
I'll never say, oh, uh, you know, she did drugs and I don't know, and maybe she was addicted for a little while. I would never say that. I would say, I know her personality. That's not what this guy's looking for. I would never say anything like that. It's not my place to say anything like that. So you have to be very careful and you have to make sure that you're not, it's not, you don't have an ulterior motive because we rationalize all that stuff. And you have to be very careful that you don't do that. Look what happened. Show lost everything. Everything. To a point where he really thought he did the good thing. And I, I, if he would have asked me before this whole thing happened, I would have said, yeah, you know, you have all these sheep. Bring it to carbon. But Hashem said, no. There's no rationalization because the guy lived three houses down to commit adultery. So Hashem said, no. I don't care. He lives in your basement. Hashem said, no. Whoa, where would Hashem put him here? What kind of answer is that? Yeah, when you're trying to rationalize what you're doing, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I got a smartphone. Because, you know, not me. No, I didn't get a smartphone. Hello? I did not get a smartphone. But people, I got a smartphone too. I don't have a smartphone. I got a smartphone to learn. To call my mother. Give it up the aim. You can call your mother on a regular phone. No, but I have to be on the group, the family group. And then comes, that's all Yitzhara wants. Then comes the movies and all the other stuff. He, the Shema, I, I'm doing it with Shem Shemayim. It's my mitzvah phone. But there's a lot of schmutz on that phone. How did that happen? It's not, I don't really watch it that much. You rationalize everything. Really rare. I, I know a girl and, uh, that, that she, amazing, not a girl, she's older already. I know her very well and She's like one of my family friends, and she lost, she went on this crazy diet, and she was like 45 pounds. And, and she was so proud of it. She, she needed to lose it. She lost 45 pounds. And she goes out with her friends, and I know the story as a fact. She goes out with her friends, and she's mamish like eating tofu and salads and all that healthy girl stuff and yogurt. And, uh, you know, a guy could not live on that. But anyway, so... And, and, and she's got it down. And she's doing it for a, a while, maybe even a year. Like she's got it down. She's good. She ex- exercises. She's really happy the way she looks, everything. And they go out for their friends. Then, you know, she kept giving them more syrup. Why don't you, you know, don't eat carbs, don't eat this. Because when you're able to do something, then all of a sudden, everyone has to do it. That's just the way we are. So she's giving them more syrup. Anyway, they go out to eat for her friend's 40th birthday. Big birthday. And they go out to eat, and she, they're ordering whatever they're ordering, appetizers, da, 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 and she's like, salad, right? Mescaline salad, this salad, that salad, main dish, fish, like, no. And they're, they're, other girls are pounding bread and olive oil, the whole works, the whole, they're pounding, they're pounding. Comes to dessert, and they have chocolate bombs, I don't know what they are, these chocolate things, the chocolate inside that melts, whatever, and they order, and they're like, Come on, you, you you did so well. Come on, it was like maybe it was a cake, whatever it is. Like it's her birthday. Don't be sugar. A little bit, you could you can enjoy your friends, whatever it is. No, no, I don't want to break it. No, no. It, it sort of became like a to her like a um, not an addiction, but like like something you, you know, a streak. You don't want to break anything. You don't want to break your streak because then, you know, every day you do five miles and today I'm not, I'm not going to do it ever again. And it's true. If you're a streaky person and you break your streak, you're talking never going to do it again. Anyway, so one of the pikchen, one of the smart girl, women at the table said, okay, listen, you have a little piece of cake and tomorrow, instead of doing two miles, you'll do four miles. You'll burn another 100, 200 calories. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. I'll, I'll burn it tomorrow. 200 calories more. Okay, so that's like I didn't eat the cake. Makes sense. And it's a birthday. And the hochevra. Okay. And I know this is a true story because I know it from the girl, from the woman. So she has a piece of cake. Now what happened to this because of this piece of cake is she started cheating on her diet because every time she cheated she said, tomorrow I'll do another two miles. But it didn't happen that she did another two miles. I'm tired. Maybe the next day. And she started eating and eating and saying, I'll exercise and I'll burn it off. That whole thought they put in her head, she gained back about 60 pounds. Totally unhealthy, totally. You think her friends did her a favor? They killed her. Why'd they do that? Because they were jealous that she could do, she had such control and they didn't have such control. So she rationalized, this is on a whole different side, rationalized the piece of cake. I'll, I'll, I'll exercise. She broke that. No, you can't have. You're on a diet. You can't have cake. If that's what you decided to do. Show Hashem said, no one's allowed to be alive. Nobody bearing animals and carbonos. No. No, you cannot rationalize. You have to be able to see clear. That's why one of the biggest brachas a person can get is clarity. It's to be able to see when you do something wrong, it's wrong. And when you do something right, that it's right. And not mix the two. You should, be, you should all have, Hashem should give you the bracha that everyone here and everyone listening to the shir should have 100% absolute clarity the rest of their life. Slacha, thank you. We'll continue next week from Shaul to David, Amit Hashem. We're going to go down. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.